Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I am really fortunate tonight to have as my guest uh, an ACB board member, but he is so much more than that and has all kinds of experiences to talk about, I think, this evening. So my guest is Jeff Bishop. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Yeah, so let's, let's start by talking a little bit about Jeff Bishop. Sure. Um, I, I know you work in in Washington State for Microsoft, mm-hmm. but but where did you start your life? Well, let's see. I was born in uh, upstate New York in Albany and uh, lived there for about two years. And then our family moved out to Arizona where I lived most of my life. My wife and I lived in California for a short period of time and decided that wasn't for us. So we moved back to Arizona Uh Pretty, pretty early in our marriage, actually. Um, but yeah, grew up mainly in Arizona. Went to uh, the Arizona State School for the Deaf and the Blind, as well as Choya uh, High School uh, throughout high school. And yeah, had a had a really uh, had a really good time in Arizona. I kind of miss it in some ways, mm-hmm. especially in the winter when it's a lot warmer there than it is here. We don't get snow there that often in Arizona. And when I moved to Washington, they told us, oh, yes, it only snows here about every 10 years, and it snowed every year I've been here. So I don't know what that means, but it um, um, gives new meaning to climate warming, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So um, a combination of uh, School for the Blind and mainstreaming, did you have a preference? Well, you know, I didn't really fit in in... um, ASDB. I, I was, um, I mean, not that I didn't have good friends there. I did, but I, I was very much very different uh, in a lot, lots of respects. My my um, interests, the things that I did in the community were um, much different than a lot of the other students were doing. And so I felt sort of like a, a round peg in a square hole um, sometimes, you know, uh, that wasn't always the case, but a lot of time it, it kind of felt that way. Uh, I, I was very much involved in in computing and technology and amateur radio and, and lots of things that that a lot of the people that I knew when I was growing up were not necessarily involved with. You know, they were pretty much in, involved in um, significantly other things. And so, the 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 nerdy guy always gets picked on. Not not that not that he does. Uh, yeah, you know. So it was just a little little tougher. Um, I, I found mainstreaming to be a little difficult, mainly because, um, personally, I don't deal as well with, uh, and that's just probably me, I don't even know that it's a, a blind thing, it, it's more about dealing with large groups of people. Um, I would much rather hang around a, a, a party of 5 to 10 than 20 to 30 to 50, you know, it's just not the type of thing that I that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was a little challenging. Um, the work, 
uh, I really enjoyed. I, I uh, was able to to take programming classes in high school where I wasn't able to do that at, at ASDB. Um, was able to really push the envelope with the the school system to be able to make that happen. Worked with um, some really brilliant people that were in the school at that time to come up with very innovative approaches to be able to to read the screen and be able to do assignments um, somewhat independently. Although I wouldn't say it was completely independent, uh, just because you know back in the back in the early '80s we didn't have a lot of screen reading technology for PDP-11 mainframe systems at that time, right? I mean, the only option you really right. had was Opticon. Um, so we had to come up with sort of a, uh, we never really even completed it completely, but a, a, a sort of a, a rudimentary Morse code solution, either using the printer or using a terminal to be able to read the screen. And, and it wasn't perfect, um, but it was it was a it was a good assignment to to work through and and work with some really fun people to do it. So it was kind of fun. So did 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 you do Morse code a lot in your amateur radio stuff as well? Oh yes, I I I was very disappointed when they changed the amateur radio license uh, to not allow that or not not need that anymore. Require that? Yeah, yeah require that. Yeah, and uh, oh yes, it, it it is by far my preferred method of communication. I, uh, back in the day, I got up to what, 80, 90 words a minute. I I couldn't do that now. It's been too long. Pretty amazing. I I can still do a good 30 to 40 though. I've, I've tried and I can still, I can still receive at that. And, and, and you don't, I mean, you, you, you were never required to do more than what, 15 or 20 for the license? 20 for, yeah, 20 for extra. Yeah. And I mean, I was doing 20 for my novice. So, you know, that was, uh, that wasn't too bad. Now, now, just just out of curiosity, what what prompted you to do Morse code rather than voice? Oh, just the challenge of it. I uh-huh. I, I found it um, more challenging. I I, I thought that uh, it's easy to get in front of a mic and actually talk and communicate across mm-hmm. the world. It's much harder and and um, much more challenging. At least I thought so to do it in Morse code. Um, plus, signals go further. And so, yeah, that, that, that's what I was thinking that, yeah. that signals do go further. So you yep. probably have a better chance of getting DX stuff in. Mm-hmm. If, uh, I, yeah. I remember my first uh, field day and this is soon after I got my license and I went and I, I basically was on the air almost, I don't know, 22 hours or something like that. And I heard Morse code coming out of everything. Uh, <laughs> bands in the bathroom, radios, televisions, I mean, everything had Morse code being sent at me. It was unbelievable. And that lasted for days. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was just crazy. And um, <clears throat> so finished high school and went to college in Arizona? I did, yeah. I, I went to a community college uh, and then... Um, I uh, I actually started working pretty early, th- even while doing that. Uh, worked for interactive information systems, doing uh, documentation and some some work on um, scripting and some basic programming at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then got married in '88, and then moved to uh, California. Did some programming for um, the clothing industry, and then um, something I'm actually was pretty excited about when I got an opportunity to do, to do this was to work on the project management system that Disney Imagineering used for their rides. Uh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we learned a lot about, 
you know, how that system worked and the idiosyncrasies of their project management process. And it was, it was, it was quite fun, but the stress was very, very high there. I bet that's right. And, uh, it was for, for, um, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, like liking small, you know, places to, to be around. Um, California wasn't it. Uh, we lived in Long Beach and, uh, it was just me and my wife and uh-huh. that's tough, you know, no family, um, uh, church, you know, church, but it's not the same thing. And, uh, those no, are probably the toughest two years of our marriage, to be honest. And yep. uh, we're, we're lucky we survived it because we almost did yep. Your wife is visually impaired as well. Yes. Uh, she can she can see with glass she can drive and see you know with glasses just fine but if you take her glasses off she's basically illegally blind. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. And and a wonderful crafter from what I've heard. Yes, yes. I I sometimes feel like I live in a craft store rather than a apartment or a house. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. It's all good. She loves it and uh, if it keeps her happy then then that's that's what's important. Now in in college I'm assuming that that you that you studied computer systems yeah i did yep yep uh computer science and um you know but 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 with everything you know once you get married and then uh once kids come into play um priorities change a little bit and so i ended Mm -hmm. up working more than going to school Mm -hmm. and came back to tucson worked uh worked for avalon software doing programming and and actually training uh, so actually, uh, taught all of the new employees, our, our, um, programming process, uh, within the company and, and guided them through sort of a six to eight week boot camp process of, of our development platform. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also worked on, you know, pretty high end, uh, systems for large fortune 500, um, engineering, uh, companies. So, did, did lots of uh, master scheduling, MRP, material requirements planning, uh, capacity requirements planning, that kind of stuff. Lots of lots of very business oriented programming at that time, uh, and, and often work on barcode uh, scanning and printing, which was very very challenging at the time because again we're talking about not, you know early '90s where a lot of uh, technology wasn't available, so we had to get very very creative in that process. It it was probably also kind of hard for you to figure out a way to be able to um, to to recognize those barcodes with a computer. Yeah, you know, but but the thing is, is is uh, throughout my career, um, and and it really was is a theme throughout my career. It's all about not necessarily you doing it all. It's about how you are able to. Um, do what you do well, but also let others assist where it's necessary. Yep. Um, and, and because even sighted people, you know, they're not going to do everything as well as you might do. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a team effort. There's no, there's, there's no I in team. And so when it came down to some projects, I definitely had to partner with, with members of our team and, and get the projects uh, accomplished, but it was a win-win. Um, we all helped each other and that's what, what made things successful. And that was even more so when I went to work for Microsoft in the mid nineties, uh, supporting mm-hmm. access and SQL server, and this was when, of course, uh, the the screen readers for Windows ninety five were just coming out, oh, and they and, were awful. Yeah, and at this <laughs> and at this time, um, all of the internal tools that Microsoft had 
uh, were a bit challenging to, to, mm-hmm. to work with. And no even question. versions of Microsoft Access at that time were, were somewhat challenging. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to work in supporting customers on Windows 3.1, if you can believe that, for quite oh a while. My goodness. And so we had to come up with very, very innovative approaches to be able to do things that, you know, people who can see can simply pick up a mouse and draw a line uh-huh. um, and, and, and accomplish a task, whereas I couldn't do that. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a thing in, in uh, Access or, or basically any database platform where you have to draw what are called relationships between things. Right. So how, do these, how does this table relate to another uh-huh. table? And the only way to do that at that time was either to do it through code, in other words, writing code. And of course, you don't have time to do that with a customer on the phone, right? I mean, even if you type 75 words a minute, you still don't have time. So we had to come up with a way of of doing this um, that was just as efficient as someone picking up the mouse and drawing a line. So I worked with some um, people on our team and we came up with an approach uh, and, and wrote some tools to be able to accomplish that. And I was able to be, if not as efficient, pretty darn close uh, to be as efficient. There were still some areas where it was a little challenging to deal with things uh, that were only uh, uh, able to be accomplished with the mouse. But we worked through it. And I tended to get a lot of the programming tasks uh, passed to me and a lot of the a lot of the visual user interface design type questions that I, I tended to let others handle those because you don't want blind people designing user interfaces for people who can see them. Probably not a good so, idea. So soon after <laughs> Windows 95 came out, yeah, there was, there, or at least for an outsider who was kind of at the edge, I mean, I, 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 I used Access um, and actually liked it, um, though, as you say, it was a little challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, uh, I, I used a lot of their built-in tables and didn't really go beyond them to try right. to try to create anything extravagant. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> what eventually led me to, to move away from access was, at least from an outsider's point of view, it got more and more graphical in the first few years that it was out before it accessibility it became a big deal. Yeah. I, I, it, it, um, it definitely got more visual. Um, yeah. the, the, the versions that are out now are even more, you know, there's, there's a lot of visual aspects to them, but, uh, you can still accomplish lots of things. There's still some yes. areas within access, especially on the reporting side that are, that are somewhat challenging. Yeah. Forms you can you can pretty well accomplish in queries and 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 macros and modules and all that you can do right. all that type of stuff. But right. reporting was a was really challenging, and that's where you pretty much relied on the wizards and you had let it go ahead and build things right. uh, automatically and, for you. Right, and that's that's essentially what I had to do because it yep. was the reports that I needed because I was yes, exactly. a department. Yep. Yep. and um, <clears throat> I I I needed I needed to be able to get information pretty quickly, and I ended up. Right. I I ended up going to a, a really ancient database. I can't even remember what it was now. And 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 writing DBase or uh, yeah, it was yeah, it Paradox was, it, or it, no, it was DBase. And and ended up writing my own um, because it was the only way I could get the reports I needed. Yeah. Um, well, I went to the web though. That's what I did. So I yeah. instead, of, instead of focusing on access, um, I I went to. Um, pulling everything onto onto the web 
and building reports that way and building forms and building user interfaces that I could do independently and, and accessibly. And that's what I, um, when, when Microsoft left Arizona, uh, I went to work for Keen Corporation, which took over the, the business that, that Microsoft, you know, contracted, uh, with them. And I became, um, one of the DBAs that worked on site and developed internal tooling for all of our 500 plus engineers that were on, on site. And so, um, everything was all, all the tools were web-based. And so you could do everything, you know, through a web browser. And, and then that led me to my job at the University of Arizona, where I worked on, um, web development projects and, and did programming for, you know, close to what, 15 years, something like that at the U of A. And then, and then moved into an IT accessibility role, uh, there before coming to Microsoft again. So. The IT accessibility role. Let's talk about it for a minute. Yeah. Um, did what? What actually were you trying to accomplish with that? Well, we needed a. We needed to be able to assist the university in helping students, faculty, and staff, uh, as well as IT staff, in ensuring that um, students could could deal with any uh, accessibility issues that they were having as well as making sure that, that the tools, technologies, and platforms, whether they were designed internally or purchased, were accessible for employees as well as students. And that was my role, uh, to be able to help facilitate that. And we had a team that did that, and I, I was one of many, uh, uh, well, a few, a few many, but a few of us. And we didn't have tons, but we had a few people that worked on the team, and I was one of those. And really enjoyed it, actually. Got to work with lots of really great students, lots of really great um, developers and computer science um, people, you know, throughout the university, as well as basic, you know, human resources type stuff. It was, we, we did all kinds of things. It was loads of fun. Now, I assume you know how unusual that is. Um, you know, most colleges and universities. Um, oh, Yeah. That there wasn't a connection between accessibility and and kind of the, the interfaces that were being created for student use. Um, you know, it was very much at, at the college where I worked. It was very much a, an adversarial situation where um, uh, we we had we had to move the college kicking and screaming into accessibility because yeah. they didn't want to do it. Um, we didn't have that problem. In fact, um, the University of Arizona is recognized as one of the top leading universities in the in the nation um, around accessibility. In fact, they just received an award uh, from Microsoft and some funding as well uh, because of that because of that achievement. And uh, they're, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm proud to have played a role in that. It's uh, well, and and you should really really neat stuff. And the University of Arizona should be proud too, because um, they, they are they are really one of the few colleges that that had an outward facing attitude towards towards accessibility. There aren't yeah. a lot. Yeah, well, Don Hunziker uh, has led the effort there uh, substantially. I mean, there are others, but um, if it wasn't for her, um, and and uh, I think the world of her, she's uh, an absolutely amazing woman. And, uh, you know, she's, I miss her a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, she's just an absolute delight to work with and probably one of the best people I've ever worked with throughout my career, to be honest. 
just um, one of the most uh, just amazing, um, wonderful people that I've known. So Microsoft, yeah, um, you 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 moved there presumably we, because we the money was good. Well, uh, for- that's interesting. You say that the money is good, sure, but but the cost of living is pretty high here too. I can't believe that. Yeah. Um, but so what did impel you to move then beyond the money? It wasn't money. I've never been driven by that. Um, no. uh, I- it, 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 money is not the driving force for me. Uh, I, I learned that early in my career. You know, when I went to work in California, I was making $17,000 a year in Tucson and they offered me 35,000 in California. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's, that's gotta be a lot of money that, that, that's going to work out great. I actually took home more money making 17,000 than I did making 35 in California. If you can, you know, so don't it. let that kid you everybody. For those of the, those of you who are young and don't really understand this, trust me when I tell you that do not let money be your driving force. Uh, no, it doesn't work. I, it doesn't I work. It doesn't work at all. The reason I wanted to do it was because, well, first of all, I'm, I'll be 55 this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether I like it or not, I'm nearing the end of my career, another 10 years or so. And I wanted to make a difference. And I wanted to be able to do something for the community that was not just necessarily a local effort, but something where I could leave my imprint on the community uh, and hopefully make a difference for many more people throughout the world. And, uh, and, and I'm loving my job. It's, it's, uh, it's tremendous. It's, it's interesting though, that, that lots of relearning, lots of, of, of things that I thought I did very, very well. I have learned that I am not so well at, um, because I'm dealing with now in a, in a culture of enterprise in a, in a worldwide software platform as opposed to a local oh well if there's a bug in this i can go fix this and have it have it up on the server in two minutes at microsoft things don't work that way Mm -hmm. so uh the the whole thought process the whole um way of thinking the whole um way of 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 doing a, a process or or actually accomplishing a goal is entirely different and your entire mindset needs to change around exactly how do we do that and to work with literally thousands of people to be able to accomplish um, goals and to achieve uh, the best return on investment, not only for the company, but for the customer too. So is, is, is there still kind of deadline pressures that, that operated in, in a private sector employment spot like Microsoft or? not so much because of the way they do stuff. Well, I mean, I mean, we always have, we always have, you know, projects and, and every project at least should have some sort of a, a, a set of goals oh, and sure. expectations yeah. and completion dates. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's true whether you're at an enterprise level or you're at a local level. The, right. the difference is, is that when you're at a local level and it's you, the programmer, it's easier for you to tell yourself to go ahead and do something. Right. Um, it's much harder to get approval to do something at Microsoft because it has a much larger impact. Right. In other words, oh, it does. You yeah. know, 
if I, if I make it, if I made a change at the U of A when I was programming something, it might have impacted, you know, a hundred people. Um, a change that you make now could impact millions of people, and so the impact is is much bigger. And so there's a lot more um, things that, that that are in play uh, that that you have to work through to be able to move through a process of of um, completing goals and completing tasks. Um, whether you're at the program management level or the engineering level, I mean, the, the, the things are the same, right? So uh, a little bit different for each role, but the concepts are, are, are the same. And so it just, it's just interesting. Um, Microsoft talks a lot about a growth mindset. And when I first got there, I, I knew what that term sort of meant, but until you start living it, um, you don't really know what it means. Until you live it, <laughs> there's it, it, it's uh, it's it's uh, by far probably uh, the most challenging thing I've done in my career, but um, I love every minute of it, uh, and um, the people that I'm I'm learning from are are simply amazing. Um, the leadership that that I work with is highly committed to accessibility in this space. Um, the passion right. from Satya Nadella down to my manager is just unbelievable and i don't say that because i get a paycheck i would i would be truthful and honest you know uh, it's true um and and the culture even from when i worked at microsoft in the 90s to now is so vastly different than it was in the 90s to now that yeah it's, that was it that like was actually yeah that was actually what i was going to ask you about because i I, you know, there were there were a lot of us who thought that we'd won the battle with Microsoft, and there was a commitment to accessibility until until some of the Windows Seven stuff started to happen, and the Windows Eight stuff started to happen, where where there was yeah, and even stuff Windows that, Ten, right? With sure with the browser at and the things, beginning, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and 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 then suddenly, what what we took for granted suddenly was up for question again. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I guess, I guess my, my feeling has been that in the last two or three years, um, Microsoft has done a pretty quick turnaround and, and, and takes access by blind people pretty seriously now. Yeah. I think they take it pretty seriously on all disability groups, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think you've got someone like Jenny Lefleury who, um, basically runs the, you know, accessibility program at Microsoft and, uh, she is unbelievable. Um, we just, we just completed the, um, accessibility summit, uh, the ability summit at Microsoft and that had, uh, what, 10, 10, 12,000 people attend that. And, um, where we talked a lot about the, the five-year plan and I won't go over all that here, but, uh, there's, there's plenty of, uh, of documentation and, and you, if you want, you can even go watch a lot of the content. I think a lot of it's going to be posted on YouTube, but, um, just, just an amazing group of people. And, and, uh, I don't think there is a day that goes by that accessibility is not talked about, uh, amongst teams and across teams, um, you know, that, that I work with. And, and that's even true of today. I mean, I met with probably three or four different teams today on, on just those types of things. So, and really, um, that's the only that's way great. to institutionalize accessibility, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Excellent. So, when did you become involved with um, ACB? 
Well, I've been in, I've been involved with ACB for for quite some time, um, mainly on the ACB radio side for for the longest time. You know, back in what two thousand three, four, something like that, uh, and broadcasted and, and uh, helped produce main menu for a number of years, and helped on the management team for quite a number of years, and then joined the board. And okay, Paul, you're going to have to help me. Was it 15, 14 or fifteen? Fifteen. I I can't remember. I don't I I, I don't know what I I'm, I'm on my first I'm on, I'm in, I'm ending my first well it's not, that doesn't really make sense because we went over a year but it, I, I'm 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 up for election again for a second term and uh, filled filled in one year from a from a prior um, board member. Right. So, so you ended up having to run twice within a year. Within a year, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and and now I've done a four-year term. Exactly. And right. and so you have really a five-year term. So I guess yeah. my next term right. will only be three years, I guess. Right. I think. Yeah. I don't know. They just, yeah. they just tell me where to go, I guess, is really what that that's, was. That's right. <laughs> just that's tell right. me when to be at a board meeting. I'll just go. <laughs> One of the oh, one of one of my first major contacts with you was um, uh, on on the resolutions committee when uh, you came to us with with some real questions about the direction we were going um, with regard to non competitive employment. I think it was. Yeah, I was really beginning to um, you know uh, get involved in that, and I have a son who's autistic, and so mm-hmm. it was more personal to me um, that. You know, if my son were to go to work, then he would not be able to be paid a, a wage that was, you know, acceptable. And so for me, it was a, a pretty passionate thing. And while it didn't pass when I brought it forward, it did the following year. Yes. And, um, so we got there. We got there in the end. And that's all that's important, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, think it's, I think it's really, really important that, that we treat people equally and equitably um when we're when we're talking about all disability groups is is acb doing a good enough job of uh, of encouraging folks with multiple disabilities to become a part of us well i i, I think that's an interesting question I, I i think that we are very much a a strategic group of blind and um low vision individuals and um i i would i wouldn't say that we uh aggressively go after you know multiple people with multiple disabilities but i uh you know i don't know that we necessarily need to do more i think we need to do more in the area of families i will say that Uh, i know we have acb families and i and i and i love that and i think that's a really really good thing but i think we could do more um, especially around um, parenting and the raising of children with disabilities, because I think that there's there's some some things that that we could do more there with, uh, and um, yeah. that that could bring in um, more people into this organization who are not necessarily blind, but who have blind right. children who may have other disabilities, and I, I certainly hope and. Um, feel pretty strongly about that that all of us would be accepting of anyone who joins our organization and if right. not then there better be a heart-to-heart discussion with those that are would not be because right because we've all been there and um we you know uh it's it's 
we, we need to treat everyone with respect, love, and kindness, regardless of who they are. I think the family's issue is an interesting one. We, we actually, um, back in the time when I was president, were doing a lot better and encouraging a lot more. Yeah. We're not doing that as much families. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, part of the trouble is that the organizations that we were working with and the, and, and the organizations that created a national framework for parents have simply gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the NFB certainly has their, their, their parents group. They um, do. And it's pretty, it's pretty strong too. Yep. And does good things. Yeah, um, they do. They do. Um, I, you know, I, I, I would certainly love to see us do more. I think, um, I, I think, I think we're missing the boat because we certainly encouraged a lot of, uh, a lot of parents ran a separate parents track during our convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think did some, did some really good things. Yeah, um, yeah. uh, and it, I'm it, sorry. It's going to take someone with yeah, passion to do it. It is, you know, it we, is. We, someone's going to have to step up and, and sort of grab the bull by the horns and run with it. I yeah, think that, so that's how it works it, in our organization. Yeah. So if, if there's somebody who's listening, who's interested in becoming the, the, the new parent champion. Yeah. Ta-da. Ta-da. Uh, and, and you don't, <laughs> you know, and, and we'll take anybody that will help do that. Cause honestly, yeah. it, uh, you know, our organization definitely needs to grow outside of who, uh, outside of the blind and visually impaired community itself, even though that's who we are. I yep. think there's room to grow where the people who could also be represented are people who, are raising blind and visually impaired children right. um, or, or who are the caregivers of people who are older um, and also making sure that those people who are older, who are blind or visually impaired can care for themselves. Right. But it takes a village, right? It takes, it a village, does take a village uh, and, to be able to do that. And so, yeah. um, you know, we know, uh, we know that the majority of the people that, that will be blind in the next 30 years are going to be an older population. And um, whether whether we like that or not, that's what reality is. Because people who are being born now um, have have the great insight of of science to be able to overcome many of the things that you and I had to deal with when we were born. So yes, um, those things don't happen anymore, you know. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the the times in which we live are are definitely interesting, and it will be fascinating to see where the world goes in the next you know 20 years right this this may be a question of of dotting i's and crossing t's mm-hmm. but would would you agree that um access to information for blind people today is better than it's ever been oh absolutely i think that's true uh yeah. I, I i think uh and, and some people have told me that they don't like me saying this this way but I stand by it. Uh, if you were going to be blind, now is the time to do it. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, uh, the, the amount of technology and, and resources that we have, uh, you know, is, is significantly better than it was even 20, 30 years ago. And, uh, and it's I, only going to get better because yeah. the, the artificial intelligence work that the technology sector is doing it's it's so very interesting, you know, how we were, had talking books, and now what are people doing in their cars? They're reading audiobooks, right? Yep. Yep. You, ha- you, you, you have uh, uh, A-Lady devices and, and, and 
and G Lady devices and all these different things, right? Where they speak to people in their homes. And we were watching that on Star Trek in the sixties. We were, um, you know, uh, and, and so, you know, the next 20 years, who knows? Um, do I think that we're going to have autonomous driving and a blind person is going to be able to independently jump in a car and go wherever they want? Um, technically, yes. I think that's going to be possible. Will the insurance companies allow it? I don't know. I think that's a really interesting question, and I think it's a dilemma that we're going to have to, to deal with. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know the know, answer to that one. Everybody, everybody said we were going to be there by by 2025 i don't know no, no, no that's not going to happen no no yeah not, not in the next three years no way no three yeah, or four years I, no no yeah i no, agree no at least 20 years i think to be All safe right. you know so <clears throat> we invited you to come on this program um to talk about a new project that's being rolled out under your direction why don't you tell us a little about that? Sure. So, uh, you know, when ACB Radio uh, started, it, it it started with just a few people, you know, mainly Jonathan Mosen, who who got the ball rolling, uh-huh. and lots of other really great, uh, Jeff Shang and others who, who really were able to put up some really great content on the web. And it was a pretty basic website at that time. And, yep. uh, and then Larry Turnbull, of course, um, played a significant role in maintaining that. And, and that's what we have been been working with now for what the last uh 12 13 14 years something like that uh with drupal and everything and uh, so you know one of the things that we heard uh, and we've heard this for a while now but it really came to fruition last year during the conversion uh the virtual convention when you know you had everything was online right you didn't have you know, in-person attending uh, things happening. So everyone had to rely on the architecture that was there. And suffice it to say, the architecture we have now, while it works, is is significantly outdated and, and really needs an overhaul of, uh, of mass proportion. So that's what we um, have started to undertake and it's in process and we'll, we'll be um, launching in time for, for the convention and let's talk about it. So... Um, when we first started talking about this, uh, Tyson Ernst came up with the, the the branding of it of the ACB Media Network, because really what we're what what we want to do is we want to take the concept of what we talk about, and when I say we, I'm talking about the entire ACB Radio team. This is not about me. I want to make that perfectly clear. There are there are um, some great staff members, uh, that being Deb Debbie Hazelton and and Rick Morin, who are just um, are are just an absolutely amazing uh, people and i love them to death they're just the salt of the earth they're great um so uh, but then when you have you know dozens of volunteers and we've had more volunteers than we've ever, ever ever had uh in the project even back in when my when uh when acb radio was first launched i think we have more now than we had back then oh, i think we i absolutely think we do yeah um, yeah and, if and you include certain- the if yeah. you include, you know, the community as well, then we'd for sure have more yeah. than we've ever, ever had. Yep. So what we wanted to do is we, we thought, well, first of all, what is the, what is the goal? What do, we, what do we want to do? And the, and the real goal is we want to bring everyone to one place to be able to get anything they want, whether that be radio, meaning ACB radio, podcasts, 
whether that be uh, video content or downloading of the forum or the e-forum or blogs or whatever they want, right? In other words, why do we have to keep going to ACB Voices for this and, and radio for this and a different website for podcasts? And why do we have to do that? That seems just a little crazy, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. We should be driving everyone to one place and let them get whatever they want, however they want it, whether they want to listen to listen to it on a stream or they want to download it or they want to, you know, watch it on video, whatever they want to do. So the ACB media website is, is, uh, in progress and we're going to allow you to get to basically any of the content that you, that you want. So, uh, right now the website has all of our, uh, or well, or the majority of our podcast content on it. So right now, um, the podcast platform that we use is called Pinecast. And unfortunately, one of the big things that it miss, that is missing from it is the ability to search. Now, the, now if you had a podcatcher like the podcast app in uh, Apple iTunes uh, on your iOS device or Overcast or Downcast or Pocket Cast or, uh, you know, it, pick your uh, client of choice. All of them have search capability, but nobody does this, right? It, it's mainly the geeky people who know how to do that. They just don't do that. They, right. People want to be able to go to a website, search for something, find it, and either listen to it or download it and go on their merry way. Um, you can do it on the stream. You could search for a podcast. You can search for keywords, and you can find it that way. You could do that. Yes. But but one the, the top complaint that we got last year was, you, first of you all, can't, can't search find anything. individual episodes anyway no. right. <clears throat> with the stream. Right. And the other thing that we got a complaint about was, okay, you have this great convention podcast, but you upload 350 files for the one convention. And I can't find anything because there's so much that you might as well, I might as well not even go there because it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't have any, it doesn't make any sense, rhyme or reason, uh, as far as being able to locate anything. So, and and a lot of the files are essentially named, um, uh, yeah, the naming is 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 right. A, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of things there. But even if you had the yeah. descriptions, if you had to manually go through it and find it, and you were looking for one specific session, God bless you if you found it. Yeah, and, and exactly. you know, I'm 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 admitting to it. It's a problem. Sure, it's like eating an elephant one bite at a time, and you'll never yep. finish. <laughs> you know. So so what did we do? Well, well, we <laughs> we had to come up with something that that solved this problem. And so what we did was we we put up a website. And we now allow you to search the podcast content. So you go up to the website, you type in um, audio description, uh, or, or, or you could type in Jeff Bishop or whatever. You could find all the things that relate to me, for example. And it searches all of the podcasts that are on the website, like 3,600 of them or some uh, you know amazing number that are up there right now, and returns a page that shows you all of the content that's based on that search term that you are looking for. But we're going to do it- more. We're going it to looks in it looks in the descriptions as well as as well as yep. in the titles. When That's used. right, as well as the titles, the subjects, and the descriptions. Absolutely, nice. So we're gonna have a podcast tab, and then we're gonna have a streams tab where you can you can go there and you can look at each of the streams, and you can using a modern player, no need to use Winamp or Foobar or Windows Media Player or whatever you want. You can use a standard. You know, web browser, whether that be Edge or Chrome or Firefox, it doesn't matter. You can 
listen to the stream by simply clicking the play button. It's right there and it's accessible. Nice. So there's none of this having to download anything anymore. That was one of the other big complaints that we had, right? Is, oh my gosh, I got to download something, you know, not only do I have to, you know, do this, but I have to download something and it, it just makes my life complicated. So we wanted to do that for the streams tab. And then we have video well, that's not up there yet, but it will be. And that's where you'll be able to gain access to all of our video content that's on YouTube. Uh, and then we're going to have a publications section where the Braille form and the e-form magazines. We're, we're trying to figure out what the best that may or may not make it in time for convention because we got to figure out what is the best strategy to put that up there. Um, and then we're going to have, of course, we're going to have um, the blogs up there, the ACB Voices site, where you can, you know, click on that tab and it will describe that to you. And that will probably redirect you off to ACB Voices is probably what's going to happen there. So if if we go to publications, if if we're trying to build, if if we're trying to build a media segment that's that's truly inclusive, mm-hmm. um, are are you guys giving any thought to? Um, to at least making space available for affiliate newsletters. Oh, I think that's always a possibility. In fact, um, what we're offering affiliates now is a free podcast for their content. So Washington is taking advantage of this. Uh, BPI is taking advantage of it. Oregon is about to. Arizona is about to. Uh, California is interested. Uh, <laughs> There are a number of, of states who, who want this capability of, of driving people to their content like newsletters and other content through a podcast platform. And so that's because of the platform that we have. It doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't, there's no penalty or any sort of, uh, any sort of uh, cost associated to this. We can put as many podcasts up as we want. So whatever affiliates want, we'll pretty much give them and then we'll give them the right to post to that content you know, post their content to that podcast on their own timeline. Nice. So basically get out of the way. We create it, we put it in iTunes and we say, go to town. It's all yours. As long as you follow the guidelines, right? It has to be respectful, kind, courteous, meet the, meet the code of conduct, right? In other words, you're representing ACB. It's you're under our name. So you have to meet those guidelines. But other than that, you know, anything goes non you know, can't post copyrighted material, uh, because if you do that, then you could potentially jeopardize all of our podcasts and that wouldn't be something we would want. Would not be a good plan. Not be a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another project and I, it, we're going to, we're going to open it relatively soon for, sure. for questions and comments, but <clears throat> another project that that you have taken a leading role on and that I've kind of messed with as well um, is ACB Link. Yeah. Why don't you tell folks what that is? Sure. In fact, we were doing some work on Link this morning, actually. Uh, ACB Link is an Android and iOS app, which allows you to get at uh, information related to ACB. You can stream all of our streams. You can download uh, and listen to, or, or actually just play all of our content uh, of our podcast feeds and all of the podcasts are now eligible there that we have. I think we're up to what, 26, 27. Rick could mm-hmm. tell me if he's still here. I think there's 27 or something like that. Yeah. I think there's 27. Jeff. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, 
and all of them are in ACB link. You can you can look up um, affiliate information. And you know, this is the one that is the most difficult because it changes all the time. And unless you have a database that, that drives that, it's really impossible to keep it maintained, um, you know, as accurate as possible up to the minute. So that probably is probably the weakest link of ACB link. And that's something we're going to probably try to try to solve we're, we're working on a we're working on a on a on a database project for the convention and um after the convention is over it, it's one area that i would like to be able to uh drive the creation of the data that is rep, that represents the affiliate data for link in a way where it's automagic and <laughs> that we don't have to have human effort in doing that. Cause right now we have to go through the president's list and maintain it. And that's, that's very, very time consuming and literally takes hours to do. So if we could automate that in some way, then that would be um, fantastic. That'd be very cool. Yeah. That would be really, really great. And there's no reason why we can't, we just need to put the infrastructure in place. So, so we're, we're, well, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm hoping this is one of just Jeff's wishes. Well, I have no idea if it will happen, but we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping um, it would certainly make everybody's life better. That's for that's for sure. So, is there anything new and different in ACB Link this year, or are we still not this not not yep. not this year? Um, mm-hmm. Will be new versions of the Android app and new versions of the iOS app. Um, one of the things that that now that we have a communications manager on board, it is a, a a project that the entire team needs to look take a look at and find out how we want to re um, brand this and have it look um, and come up with a design that is um, uh, that that definitely has the look and feel that that we want as an organization. There's some things I think that we could do better for sure. Do we have any statistics that suggest how widely used ACB Link is? Um, because uh, I guess it's, it's been it's my got f- thousands of downloads. I I will yeah. tell you that I I have not looked. Um, uh, uh, Rick, you could log in and look, but it's uh, it 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 literally has, has had thousands of downloads. Yep. Um, over the years, I don't know what the stats are now. Um, I think it was like twenty five hundred or. Close to three thousand the last time I looked, okay. something like that. Sometimes these get reset, so the number doesn't necessarily equal the 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 total number that really is represented. Um, I think it would be more widely used if it had some more features that I think could drive people to it. For example, one of the things that that we've been talking about doing with the audio description project team for for quite some time, and I know that it's. Again, one of just Jeff's wishes, and it's not driven by anything, but just man, this would be cool to have is a is a way of bringing um, a lot of the audio uh, description content front facing, especially for local content. So it would know, for example, hey, you live in Phoenix, Arizona, and you have these stations, and these are the things that are available in audio description for the for today for your stations, right? Mm-hmm. I think great. Um, if we could do that, this is something that uh, I think would would significantly increase the value of um, of what ACB Link could could bring to the table. And we need to be thinking of things like that. It's not just about representing, but it's about pushing content and pushing things that would be useful to the membership as a whole, both in and outside of the organization. Because 
if we do it right, it could pull people into the organization as well. Yeah, I think um, I, 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 ACB Link seemed to me, and still does, as 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 one of the most wonderful innovations that we've made over the past five years, and I've really kind of been surprised um, that it hasn't become more widely used than I perceive that it is. Yeah, and and I think that part of the reason is that so many of our members. Um, have become used to A ladies and G ladies. Well, I think um, part of it is also the fact that that we only have so many people to do ten thousand things, right? And I think that a lot of times we get in our way, get in our own way of accomplishing things because of just the the sheer volume of things that need to be accomplished. And I say that both as a negative and a positive. Sure. Right. Sure. I mean, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Um, and so, you know, if we had another, say, even 20 people that had the skill set of a Deb, Rick, and Jeff, and Jason, um, and a few others, Tyson, and a few others that I can think of. Right. Then, yeah, we, we, we probably could, where we could devote people, okay, you guys are going to go work on this, and this team's going to go work on this, and... You know, we're not going to co-mingle so that everyone can can rigidly focus on their task and get that accomplished and, you know, drive to end and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that. But we don't have that because, you know, we're nimble and, and be, you know, we're drinking from a fire hose. Whether we like that or not, that's what reality is. So we have a, we have a new host on the program this evening. She's, of course, not new. Oh, my gosh. There she is. She is the yep. angel of the ACB radio. She is. The of all, the great woo-woo-wiki witch hazel. <laughs> Debbie Hazelton so, is here. Yeah, so welcome, Miss Deborah. Thank you, Mr. Paul. And um, oh, you sound sad tonight, Debbie. Yeah, you do, and, and, and a little low as well. Aww. Oh, no. That's better. <laughs> cheer up, Debbie. Remember that from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. It was really cheer up, Charlie, but but we'll, we can call it cheer up, Debbie. We can. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we, we, we hosts are supposed to be on our best. Oh, but, but you're the hostess with the mostess because <laughs> you are. ACB radio, you know? And we have, we, we've, we've been talking a lot of ACB radio stuff. Be, before we open it up to other folks and, and folks can be raising their hands if they have questions or issues they'd like to raise, are there some things you would like to add to what we've talked about, Ms. Deborah? I am here to report that <laughs> we're, we're going to be bringing forward um, some added streams for convention, but we're going to keep them around, and one of them we are talking about turning into... Jeff, I don't even know if you know this yet. We're going to make one into a stream for the schedule. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a good idea. ACB Radio Central. Idea. So that at, like, the top of the hour will be... I don't know yet, but it will might be here's what's on mainstream and the quarter after the hour might be here. Here are the community calls that I are love going that. streamed or that are going to be up or, and mm. you know, here's what's on the cafe at the half hour mark or something like that. But the cool thing in addition is that 
this will be a podcast as well. And so people can download it and they can. How cool is that? And rewind it. Wow. What a a cool solution. How about that? That is. That was a Rick Morin and and then Rick and Deb and, and, you know, Rick and me talking at like five o'clock in the morning as we often are. (laughs) You guys need to meet more often because you come up with brilliant ideas at five in the morning. Yeah, that is, that 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 is such yeah, a good idea. Yeah, I love that. Very so. All of these new streams that we're adding prior to the convention. How soon are we going to know what they are, when they are, and so on? And and I'm asking because I'm a little concerned with whether places like Utoons will be able to update in time. Ah, uh, well. We have ways that we have ways of making it happen. No, uh, <laughs> okay, we at least know who to contact. Yeah, and that's excellent. Uh, so, um, so OO Tunes. Um, I, I think the big things, and, and maybe Debbie, you have more things to share on this one. But I think the the big two things are getting OO Tunes and and Humanware mm-hmm. uh, updated. And I think if you get OO Tunes, you're going to get Humanware. For well, a while. Uh, Humanware has still not updated, really. Yeah, but but they use OO tunes in the background, so getting they, them to they update do. Their playlists. <clears throat> but we, we have to get OO tunes done we, first. We, and yeah, then they can pull. I, well, I mean, if 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 OO tunes is done, um, and and I've never called it OO tunes, but I suppose that is what its name is. I've always called it OO tunes, but um, either one works. If we if 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 we get them done, I mean, what I what I did um, at the beginning of the last convention is put out. Um, a show which, among other things, told exactly. people how to go into to Utunes and download all of the streams because they could get them all. Right, which which you can't do from Humanware now. Right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna solve that because we know who to contact for that too. At least I believe that's that very cool. Because I think we do two things that I think yes. help. I don't know about O O U Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that, but we are talking about keeping our same names for streams as well as numbering them all. And so that people will either go by the old names of what they know or the new names of the numbering and Miss A and, well, I don't know about Miss G or mine is a mister. I guess, you know, it's like, do you know your pronouns? But, um, (laughs) but but, him. Yes. Um, no, we we can't joke about trans synthetic voices, you guys. We just can't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it. I, I know I did. I'm on not that. Doing it. But we're hoping that they will each have two skills, so that you could use the old skill that you're familiar with and the new skill. That's that's an, another very good idea. Though, so I, so I suppose I should ask both of you: Are we having any luck whatsoever? In making the um, the the him or her or them um, voice of Google recognize our streams, mm, not right now. It, but I have not. I don't know. And the other real unattainable, unresolvable yet is our Xeno Media. I mean, it's just it's one of those. Things that's free that I wish. I mean, if anybody knows of a phone system, I, I want our phone system to do a couple of things. I want it to take, I want it to be easier to work with 
than our Xeno Medias. It took mm-hmm. Jason like almost a year to get that thing updated and and then it does very quirky things but the other thing that i would love is i would love for us to take community calls that have been available by zoom or phone number and allow us to just flip those files into some other something that could be a phone number where people could just dial in and hear it like they can with some of the multi-level marketing calls. They can call in and hear. I think that would be really cool if we could figure out a way to do that. Well, there's probably an entrepreneur out there who's prepared to put something like that together, but I think they'd want to charge us some money for it. Yeah. But you know what? I've even had listeners tell me that if we, I mean, they've wished that we would go to Fillmore well, I think Fillmore could get very expensive for all that we're we're doing. But they have, said, they have said, oh, some of us, I know we would give money for it. We would contribute. Well, you know, that's great. But we need something that's really going to be robust and last. Now, now, the reality is, you two, I think, um, that that there are a lot more folks accessing what we produce on the phone Yes. than one would normally expect. Would you agree yes. with that? Yes, I do. And the other problem we have is that not everyone has long distance. Right. And and that certainly makes it difficult mm-hmm. um, because the, the people who actually need the phone the most are actually being at, at least to a degree disenfranchised because they don't have long distance. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And and I, I don't know how to fix that. Um, so you and Rick are required to meet this tomorrow morning at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have any hands raised, Miss Deborah? So let's see where are where did they? Okay, uh, it's six five zero area six five zero area code. One three five five at the end of your phone number. You're uh, can unmute. Three one five five. Three one five five. Shame on me. Oh my gosh! Hey Roger, how are you? I'm calling to find out if your Versabrail is still working, Jeff. Uh, you know what? It's 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 at home in, in Tucson uh, in a box, actually. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I think I have that... two Versabrails, but they're Versabrail ones. I refuse I never to countenance the Versabrail two. Well, I just I, wanted to remind Jeff that he was involved in ACB to some kind of degree in those dim, dark days when Chris true. Gray and I were... Uh, I uh, was, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you were there, too. Me, too. I remember, you know, I was... Uh, the summer of 86, I spent in Phoenix. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I, and I worked in that library, in the public library, in that room that we had. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know something. I get. I, uh, I submitted. I got uh, Mary Roach a Bray Award from NA, from ACB for that for that thing. Awesome. Um, she was wonderful, you know. Uh, but um, anyway, that's that's that. That's where that's where I remember Jeff Bishop from. It seemed like you wasn't hardly grown up when I remember him. But, uh, <laughs> you, you, knew, you knew me when I was a young whippersnapper, 
And I remember interviewing with you at Telesensory back in the day. I remember. Oh, yeah, that, that's a later one. Well, right after 86, I went to Telesensory, and I was there Well, 96. So, well, that yeah, that's part of it. But from 86 to 96? You told me, you said you were 55, Jeff? Yeah, I'll be 55 this year. You know, my son is older than that. Oh. <laughs> I, I I'm 79. And... Um, uh, so, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention to you, you guys were talking about uh, people with other disabilities and kids and so forth. Yeah. I want to tell you that we blind people, even those of us who've been blind all our life, are having some difficulties with old age. And sure. uh, I can't, I can't for the life of me figure the damn iPhone out. Uh, <laughs> I really feel... I really feel stupid for having been a tech support person in my other life, but anyway, I, I, uh, I don't think I don't think we'll ever be able to optimize the iPhone um, in, in 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 terms of what it can do. Um, you know, you know I, I, I I I, I guess I'm, my yeah. eyes and my ears and my brain don't don't work as well as they used to, even though oh, my I, eyes never yeah, did work. I think <laughs> that's that's true of of a lot of us, and and and. Um, I I would never go on a quiz show anymore because names are the first thing to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah names. Oh, names. Are I mean, I, I I mean, I remember when we used to memorize phone numbers, and I'll tell you, I don't oh, do that yes. anymore. That's ridiculous. Somebody yeah. said that to me not too long ago. I said, "Hell, blind people didn't ever write down phone numbers. We just knew." Them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not true anymore. Are you kidding? Yep. Roger, it's so good to hear from you. Good please, to hear from uh, you, my friend. Please give. Uh, Please give your better half our best. Absolutely. And uh, it's nice and, talking to you guys. Yeah, I feel absolutely. as though I've known you for a thousand years. Well, that's because you have. I was, uh, <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> I was the previous time president of BRL. Yeah, way back in the early 1980s. It was uh, Floyd, Floyd Cargill. And, uh, yeah, Floyd Cargill was the first president, and I was the second. That's right. And, the John Adams of BRL. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Roger. Thank you so way, much you for your call. If, yep. Jeff, if you want to, you want to tell me how to how to figure out Windows 10 and iPhone, let me know. Uh, okay, sure. You can call anytime, Roger. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Uh, Take okay. care. Ms. Deborah, who do we yes. have? Yes, and we have Anisio. Mr. Correa. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I <clears throat> I have never met you, but I've I've heard your name so many times associated with uh, ACB when you had those uh, technology committees with Brian Charlson, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm hoping yeah. that as I get more, now that in retirement, I will have a little bit more time and get more involved with ACB, and I'm hoping okay, to great. meet you in the, in the near future. But I have two quick questions. Sure. Uh, and thank you, Paul, for the opportunity to really get to know Jeff more um, sure. tonight. But the, the one question is regarding that media site that you, you were talking about. It's so yeah. exciting. Um, so someone goes in and finds a podcast. And you, did you say you download it or you... You can listen to it on the website or you can download the file yourself. It doesn't matter, whichever one you wish. And if you listen to it on that, platform can you speed it up and and slow it down uh 
Because that's a huge no. from you. Yeah. Um, I believe that's going to be technically possible. That's not possible at the moment, but we'll work on that. But you still be able to download that podcast into yes, the you can. usual yes. app that you do. Yeah, we had to actually sure. get some stuff written to do that, but yes. Right. And yep. then the second question or more question or comment or I, I wonder where you, your feelings are about as wonderful as it is to be able to access so much content nowadays with um, with um, Lady A and, 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 and the Google equivalent. Yep. Do you fear sometimes that they may create a certain level of, should I say, laziness or less less of a incentive to to learn and to keep up with technologies in the future? I, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of laziness. What I do think is that technology, um, if utilized correctly, can make a significant difference in the lives of blind and visually impaired people in ways that have not yet been realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, I, and I think it's going to take some innovation and change in the industry to be able to bring that forward. And I think that artificial intelligence and AI and, and things like that are going to play a significant role in that process, personally. I mean, there, there, have, been, uh, th- there have been books written that suggest that uh, everybody, not just blind people but everybody are, are going to be operating with um with voice with spe- speech interfaces yeah. by say 2050 there i mean there have been there yeah. have been books that say that libraries will go away because we can mm-hmm. we can have them in our heads so to speak because of the, the bandwidth that's going to be avail- available and on and on um and that would I, be I, that would be interesting yeah. paul because that would you know it would be one once again the technology, blindness technology would be somewhat ahead just as it was with the talking books and LP, <coughs> etc. Well, I think, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I think the bigger thing, though, is is to really get blind and visually impaired people up to an equal and equitable experience as sighted individuals. Right. And I think that that is the mark to shoot for, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not about accessibility anymore, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it really clear that I'm speaking as myself now and not as an employee of Microsoft right now. Right. But, but, but uh, you know, I think that the bar has to be elevated to the point now where we're not just talking about meeting a metric or meeting compliance or meeting any of those things, right? It, we need to be raising the bar uh, for equal and equitable experiences and, and raising the bar of productivity for blind and visually impaired people. There's no so, question in my mind that's where we need to be. Is is that a is that a legal issue or a technological issue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would gotcha. I, from my side it's a technical problem. Yeah. There's there's also le- I think that there's also legal components but I'm not going to speak to those because I'm not someone that I can probably speak to those with authority. But but so, what I will say is that yeah. I think that there needs to be change to be able to to allow blind people to to get the technology that they need to be able to be equal and equitable as well, right? I think that there's there's things that legislation can do um, that can help this, and I think that there's lots of work that technology companies can do 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I am in, in working in a technology company is because I'm hoping to help push the envelope in that mm-hmm. space. You I'm, think not any, I'm not making any promises here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that I think that that's personally, that's where we need to go. And, and, and I will say this, uh, speaking from, from a Microsoft perspective, I've been telling this to my team internally too, to say, Hey, you know, this is, it's, it's not good enough to say that, that we are meeting compliance. We have to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you went to the ability summit, you would have heard this exact message that it's all about not just meeting compliance, but exceeding and, and raising the bar of accessibility. And that's truly where we have to be. Right. Uh, it's going to become more and more important as the years go on. But we have just amazing technology to be able to help drive that. And is it is you know, it easier or harder, do you think, today for website developers to create accessible sites? I think it's different. I don't know if think it's easier or, or, or better. I think that there's more complexity, there's more visual. Um, right. there's, there's a lot more things happening visually on a page, which makes things more challenging. There's a lot more applications that are not just web pages, but they're truly web-based applications. Right. And there's, there's things that need to happen um, in the industry to be able to help, help that as well. And so, uh, it, you know, it's complicated, but I, I think that, that there's things that we could do there that, that do there too. But I, I, you know, uh, it, it's, we talked about a village before and, and it, it, it truly is that the industry as a whole is going to need to work together to be able to accomplish a lot of these goals. And I think, um, I think that's going to be absolutely absolutely necessary but you know there's there's so much power in the in the cloud and with with things that can be done off of device and pushed to device right now that i think that that has so much potential for bringing innovation to this space um i mean we're seeing it with lots of different companies uh and I think it just brings a, a whole new opportunity yep. of innovation that we just haven't even seen yet. Excellent. Anisio, a final comment before we move on? Oh, he's already been muted. We have several. Oh, good. Questions. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Who's next, Ms. Depp? We have Chris Coulter. Chris. Hey, Chris. Hello. Northwest person. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hi. Well, you got me kind of thinking when you were talking about older blind people learning the iPhone. Oh. And what I, I am learning the iPhone, and I am Good. 71. So, you know. <laughs> and, I'm catching and, up to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm and, learning the iPhone, and I'm 75. So. Well, then here we are, you know. But what I'm thinking about that is kind of an extension from that is the, a question, and that is, is there any form of technology where we would ever use every single thing that's on there? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't imagine myself using everything on the iPhone or everything even on my Mac. <laughs> well, I think that's true whether you're blind or not. 
Yeah. I, I yes, mean, I, I think do. I yeah. think that 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 regardless of the of of who you are as an individual, you're not going to utilize every piece of technology that's built into, you know, a computer, right? Or the, of all the tools that it can bring to the. Well, to, especially to the, when I started using computers when I was 55. I mean, yeah. I never yeah. even touched one until oh, wow. <laughs> until then. So I mean, yeah. I mean, my dad, for example, he does his checkbook. He does a little bit of shopping online. He checks his email. Uh, he he get, looks up stuff about his house and does any tax things that he needs to do. And that's about it. Yeah, and that's about it. He doesn't play games. He doesn't you know do the auto do lots of AutoCAD or drawing. Right. He's not utilizing half or, or two thirds of the features of his of the computer that he has. Right. And I'm sure so, that would be. I'm sure that would be about the same as even Braille displays, which I've never. I've I'm, I've never. Oh, I think that's interesting. Display. I yeah. think that's interesting because I think Braille displays are probably utilized more. A, a lot of the features are probably utilized more than, say, a computer is. Probably, right? yeah. Because they're specifically tailored to a specific audience. Yeah. Right. And okay. so I think that that the, that the tools that are built into them uh, are are specifically designed for us, and therefore meet the meet our needs, and therefore we would utilize yeah. them. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit yeah. different. But yeah, there may be yeah. some things like I probably would never use the calculator in my braille display. It's quicker yeah. for me to do it on the computer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just uh but so it's like it's like the people who put together computers gave us such a wealth of stuff that, you know, we just it's overwhelming at times. Although I mean in a good way, you know. Yeah, you don't want to one of the things that's come up a lot in Florida, because we have mm-hmm. probably the largest proportion of senior citizens mm-hmm. than any other state, is mm-hmm. there is a real push from the Florida Council of the Blind to the Division of Blind Services that's essentially saying, it doesn't do any good that you've got an agreement with Visparo that will give every old people access, every old person access to JAWS and access to to um, to a scanning program and access mm-hmm. to a to a low vision program um, free free of charge and for nothing just by being a client of the Division of Blind Services. That's very nice, but it doesn't do any good if you don't provide training. Right. And if you don't provide training for people to use iPhones, you're stranding older folks mm-hmm. in, uh, just right. just as seriously as if um, they didn't have them at all. But the well, real question is, what yeah. will the, what will replace the iPhone in ten years? That's what I'm thinking because right. what's happening is we have we're going to have millennials growing old. What what is coming up for them? You know yeah. or or are, are do they already just have the skills and well, whatever comes up is just that's a question. I, I retired in 2013, and I would say that blind college kids coming into the system didn't have the skills then. Whether uh, whether they have the skills now, that's another question. Yeah. And and Jeff might be able to answer that better than I could. Right. Yeah. I I. I I have no idea what the next 10 years are going to bring, right? Yeah. I mean, no. I have I have things that I would like to see, but mm-hmm. uh, will we have an iPhone in 10 years? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I, I think, think something I, I, is, well, yeah. We will have something. 
We'll have something. But we, it, I, we, I, whether I, it's no, an iPhone, right. you know, who knows? Um, it, it looks like we'll have a talking book player probably within five that looks like an iPhone. That's yeah. uh, even at least. I mean, it could be even yeah. even yeah. sooner than that. that. There, yep. there. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Chris, thank you so much thank for your you, call. Thank you, Chris. All right. Appreciate you. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Miss Deb. Peter Hyde. Mr. Heidi from Wisconsin, how are you? I I am doing well. Um I I first of all I want to agree with Jeff that uh having been blind several times, there is no better time in the world to have to be blind than this time. Um we have just amazing technology that's available to us, but um I I am struggling with the learning curve and where to get the training and to try and catch up that uh, this whole issue of training uh, is is uh, the ma- one of the major hurdles when you're not within the regular rehab program system. Right. Yep. yep. And I think that's and where that, some I mean, innovation is going to need to have to happen there to be able to to bring stuff. But that's that's why we have the community though too. And I think that the community. Right. As it is today, we'll look a lot different five years from now and hoping that it, it, it actually morphs into solving a lot of these training opportunities in a more formal way. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see um, ACB and may, maybe the main menu team haha, um, do a kind of a consumer reports on training programs. You know, one of the questions that came up in our last Braille Buzz call is are there any iOS apps for teaching Braille? We know about one Android app, but we so far haven't been able to find an iOS app that 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 is a Braille teaching tool. Um, you know, and if we get to the place two or three years from now, when the National Library Service is actually making Braille displays available, um, I would like to see us maximize the number of folks who can benefit from that oh absolutely and 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 i think honestly um it would be interesting to see nls produce something that could be driven on the braille display to teach we've talked about that and 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 i think that's something that that acb ought to encourage yeah Um, i i would strongly encourage that yeah maybe partner Uh, with something something to be able to yeah just learning just learning how to interface the uh, the braille display with the stuff that I mean I've got a braille display but I can't I can't get it to interface with half the stuff I want it to so that's, well it's 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 a it's an interesting skill set you know uh, call yeah. some of us and we'll try to help you Peter <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you Peter <laughs> I may not thank- mean be teachable that may be the problem oh I don't know about that. Oh, everyone's I just- teachable. I think you're. I think you're pretty teachable, um, but Peter is is interesting because he's one of the few people who's been sighted several times and then lost his vision again. Wow! But now I think is down for the count, as it were. Okay, Peter, hey, thank you for your call. Yes, and uh, Pam Coffee, Miss Pam. Hello, Pam. Hello. Um, great show. Thank, thank you. Um, and. You know, I, too, am one of those people who remember the old talking book 
players, the, uh, <laughs> the yeah. vinyl discs, you oh, know, yeah. that, and, and back when I first started, they all played at 33 and a third. They weren't at 16 and two thirds yet, or heaven forbid, eight and a third. Uh, but the, um, the thing is, um, I came to, I guess you could say technology very late in life. I was almost 60 before I ever put my hands on a computer, keyboard, or anything like that. But that beside the point, um, I wanted to say that I do use ACB Link, um, and I really like it. Um, Granted, you know, when... When a person looks at it for the first time, it can look a little overwhelming because there's so much stuff on it. And you figure out the steps involved to get to a, a radio stream. But I'm, I'm crazy about ACB link. Um, and then for um, the man who, uh, Roger, um, who was talking about trying to learn the iPhone and trying to learn this and trying to learn that. Well, that's where ACB community comes in. We, Mm -hmm. we have among the community calls, a basic iPhone class, which is primarily a Q and a sort of a format. There's technology learning lab. Um, There's the Apple presentation, which some of that goes a bit more than beyond the basic, but it's very mm-hmm. well done and really, yeah. really good. And then there are the uh, Vespero presentations and, um, oh, man, I mean, the sky's the limit. You need training. You can probably find it or at least find well, answers to your questions. If we have if we have mm-hmm. spare bandwidths and spare channels, um, yeah. it's it's probably not it's it's not Debbie's responsibility. I'd like to see Cindy think about doing a stream for community call schedules, just like we're doing an ACB radio schedule, because I think that would make a oh, huge yeah. difference. I'm hoping that we can get the schedules on a stream, but on that same schedule stream. It might be certain hours where that schedule would be read or something, but that's one of the things that made us think about that because then people could download it, rewind it, and that's what's hard for them to do with the way those are read on on the phone. They can't yes. lock up, and yeah. Um, so yeah, we do want that, and we want a way for people to be able to get those replays. Um, of those zoom calls. So we're working on some way to do that where they won't necessarily be podcast. They may not go, they may not all go into podcast, but they might be available. We're trying to find a way through um, either. So, links or- so Jeff, uh, I guess one of the questions that I have is <clears throat> the only way that your media page is going to be successful, particularly with podcasts is if the descriptions of podcasts are pretty detailed and pretty inclusive. Yeah. Um, those are, we, we do a pretty decent job of that though. Okay. Do yeah. We, we do, we, we do a pretty decent job of that. Very good. Uh, so that, that, that I don't, that I don't think is going to be the problem. That's excellent. 
Miss Pam, thank you very much. Penny. And Miss Deborah. Penny Reader. Miss oh. Reader. Hello, Hello Miss Penny. Penny. A fellow member of the Board of Publications. That's right. Okay, am I unmuted yet? Yep. Yeah, you're good. Boy, boy, okay, I talked to you at five in the morning and I, I talked to you at five o'clock at night. I don't know. Hours of the day and night. <laughs> I, I don't know, Penny. We should stop meeting either. like this. Got to stop meeting like this, right? Yes, exactly. Now I forgot what I was going to say because it's so late. Um, I, I did want to agree that the descriptions you have of the podcast are really good. It's just that there's so many of them. No. I think the two components that we need to talk about, one is training and we're doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's true that, that people who are older have, it's harder to learn new stuff. And, you know, about once a week, I say, I just don't want to learn anything new. Don't make me learn something new. Uh, and, and it's overwhelming. And the other thing is the money. It's expensive to upgrade your jaws. Well, that's why MBDA I, yeah. is free, but it's not easy to learn because it's not very intuitive, especially for someone who's never used a screen reader. And I think that's something we have to think about. All these people for who. Technology isn't second nature. I mean, my husband to be, be fine, to be but fair, he's never to, learned to use his phone. Yeah. Uh, to be fair to Vispero, th- their stuff is a lot cheaper than it used to be. Oh, it way is. cheaper than oh, it used yeah. to be. It should be way cheaper than it used to be. I, I have very little sympathy for Miss Vispero. <laughs> I get um, you. <laughs> I mean, I use it every day, and I I'm, I appreciate it, but um, I don't think it's easy for people to learn. Um. Maybe now that they have uh, the ability to talk to Vespero, maybe that'll grow into something that makes it more intuitive. Um, and it's certainly not easy to learn new Microsoft products. Jeff Teams drives me crazy. Um, well, so, I, I yeah. have I have an L Braille, and I can and I can hardly turn it on. So so it's it's you know I don't know. Those are the you know though Teams is, Teams is hard for whether you're blind or not. Apparently, sure. yeah. You know, people people struggle with it because it's such a different um, user interface, it's, right? Oh, it's so different. Skype was so uh, intuitive. I, I, and Teams I, is I, so I tend to use Teams on my phone. See, yeah, I can't uh, do that because I don't have that capability. My company doesn't. I'm a contractor. Yeah, they won't let you. So I don't get a government yeah, phone. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, team, using, using Teams on the phone is far better. Is it? Uh, I think well, it's faster, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's using very, Zoom on it's, the phone is great, so I, I can see yeah. that it works. Teams is great on the phone. It works great. Yeah, okay. it does. And, and, it, and, and it, it really works well in Windows. You just got to memorize lots of keystrokes. You got to memorize a lot of different commands. Yeah. Yep. yep. And when you're but in a the, hurry and everybody yeah. else who can see is already on the meeting and you're still trying to figure it out. You know, the, the, there are tips and, tri- uh, tips and tricks to do that, though. We should talk. We yeah, should do an sure. event on it. We should. We should, we should do a really community event on Teams. I think that would be, you would get so many people because so many people, you know, because right. things just came to us. Well, I know, I, mean, I, know who the, uh, I know who the program manager who leads accessibility on Microsoft Teams now. He used to work with me on my team. And so we'll see what we can do about that. That's a really good that, idea. I That's think cool. it would be a great plan because a lot of us, whether we want to or not, um, have to use Teams for some of our meetings. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, unfortunately, the state of Florida has not chosen to go with Zoom. They've gone with Teams. Okay. And so a lot of the meetings that I have to chair, like the Rehab Council meetings and the um, the Division of Blind Services Foundation meetings are done on Teams. Yeah. Yeah, my state has something entirely different. It's not Zoom. It's not Teams. I have a meeting tomorrow. I have to look up what it's called. But, WebEx uh, or something? I think it's something like WebEx, yeah. Uh-huh. So I might just 
call in on the number because I don't know if I'm knowing yeah, you. Where, where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think those are the two issues. I think, it, I mean, I think what you said is true, but I think uh, for a lot of people, it's it's hard to learn technology. It's overwhelming, and if you're already busy, um, and people kind of talk down to you when you don't know what you're doing, um, I think that makes it hard for everybody. And yeah. also, the money—it's expensive. Right. So, yep. I, I, I think I, the money is a big component of it. I think that I, I think they're good points, but I, I and I and I agree with Jeff. I think money is the real issue. Or, or rather, really a combination of the two. People, people put out the money, and then they often give up simply because, um, because they're not making the progress they want, and they go to something else. Right. That's true. It's like all the people yeah. that put the CCTV in the closet. Yeah, I know right. that. But also right. now, technology changes so rapidly. You really do need to get all the JAWS updates. You can't still be using JAWS 17, you know, nope, you, and, nope, uh, and that's hard for people too. So anyway, right. thank you for this program. It's been wonderful. I really, I loved every minute of it. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Penny. Thank Maybe you, we'll Penny. meet again tomorrow. You never know. <laughs> uh, that might be possible. Yes. And, and more likely probable. Miss <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Deborah. And that is all of the raised hands thus far. Although now that I say that, you never know. <laughs> well, you can interrupt us if folks raise hands. Yeah. Um, so, Jeff, if 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 we look to um, if if we look a little bit to the future within ACP, we know you're working on the media page. We know that eventually you want to expand some of the capabilities of ACP Link. Um, are there other directions that you're looking at technologically in terms of ACB? Yes, a vacation. Yes, I think that's a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, my uh, my wife thinks that I I have two full time jobs. I think you do, and and uh, yeah, and you you so, can quit Microsoft. You can't quit ACP. Uh, I see. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, one puts food on the table; the other one does not. But that's um, so that <laughs> that one makes it harder. But uh, no, no. In in all seriousness, I think it's about maintaining what we have and and influencing for the future. I think that there's um, things that we need to do to reach out to younger members of of um, our population. Right. Um, in the K twelve sector, I think there's a lot more that we could do there, um, and especially in the area of families. I think that that's uh, what, and I'm not. I don't say this at all to to say anything negative at all about the ACB families affiliate because I think they're amazing. Um, but I think overall, I think the organization needs to, to do more and focus on, on that. Um, those are the leaders of this organization for tomorrow. Uh, whether we like it or not, all of us are getting older and, uh, God doesn't let us live here forever. So it's, uh, it's important that we, that we make sure that, if we believe in this organization, that we make sure that we build it for the future as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that we there's lots of things that we need to do to do that. And I think um, technology is going to play a role in that. But more importantly, people will play a role in that. And I don't think that technology is always a solution uh, to building to building things. In fact, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the work that we do as a team, uh, if it wasn't for Debbie and Rick and Jason and Tyson and, you know, so many other people, um, frankly, it wouldn't be fun and it wouldn't no. be worth doing. And, and, um, and it wouldn't, and it wouldn't get done. 
Well, and it wouldn't get done. But I mean, it's the I I, I always tell people that I will continue to do this work until it's no longer fun. Yeah. Um. It it, it's okay to be uh, fun, but also hard. That's okay. Yeah. But you have to enjoy what you do, whether you're working to earn a living or you're working to to further a mission of a nonprofit or or an organization that you believe in. Um, if it's no longer something that you feel is important to you and that, that you feel confident that you can help push the ball forward and that you feel like the organization is there with you, then, then it's time to move on. But, um, I'm not in that plot. I'm not in that spot. And I, and I dearly love and respect and appreciate the people that work, um, that we all work along together with and we all joke around and, and, um, you know, banter back and forth all the time. And uh, they're, they're, uh, they're amazing people. Um, and I am honored and privileged to consider myself among them. Uh, because honestly, it wouldn't, the work wouldn't get done if it wasn't for all of us. Um, and, and more and, importantly, and, them, to be honest. And, with and you. probably, and probably if it wasn't for the banter. I mean, it, it's yeah. creating that, the kind yeah. of environment that you guys have yeah. that, well, that I'll let you work together. I don't know if you heard when I started my talk for Florida, and we do have one more hand uh, so mm-hmm. far, but when I started, I said, when I spoke with for Florida, I said, what do you get if you cross, uh, let's see, uh, I think I said Paul Edwards and Sheila Young and Dan Spoon, and Jeff Bishop, and Rick Morin, and I named some others. I said, what do you get when you put all them together? And the serious answer is, well, you get a lot of hardworking people, hardworking people, and then the funny answer is a lot of hams. And radio, I mean, radio is filled with hams, you know? It is. One than eat one. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And I, I know that most of us that do radio, we love we love being silly. We love having fun. And, you know, that's part of what makes radio people. It is. It is. And, and, and it's part of and, and it's part of what makes it still fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I also think it's also about personal relationships. Um, it is. I, uh, I, I've gone through a, a pretty significant health journey of the last couple of years, too. And if it wasn't for the team being able to, to maintain things when I was going through that if, if, if parts of that time. Um, work would not have gotten done because yeah. I, I was going through some stuff where it was pretty, um, not, not scary, uh, from a, from a life or death situation, but, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty life changing. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and clearly over the last three or four months, I've gone through the same thing. And yeah, exactly. And, and, and so you, the support that the, I've gotten. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you appreciate the people that are around you so oh, much more. I do. Um, I, I remember, I remember waking up and at five thirty at the hospital going, Oh my God, I have to call into a board meeting. And I had just gotten out of, of, of having a procedure done. And they're like, you're not going to call into a board meeting. I'm like, yes, I am. And I called in and I, now it's funny because two hours later, Carrie goes, so do you remember anything that happened at the board meeting? I went, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you in the recovery room? Or I something? was in the recovery room with an oxygen mask on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably one of the more stupid moments of my life, to be honest with you. Very funny. Miss Deborah, let's take our, our hand. Joe. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. 
um, I guess my journey was started about five years ago when I went blind. So I'm new to the world in that respect. I use the university library a good bit and do searches. And then whenever, uh, not all books are electronic. And so those that are in print form, uh, I know that they've been over. I'm sorry. Oh, I think I think your jaws spoke, not not us. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. And um, I was wondering, you were talking about uh, in the future not using libraries. Is there some new product or something to be able to convert from print form into electronic form, rather than page by page and taking a picture of it? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I think the answer the answer really is no. And, and Jeff, feel free to jump in. But, but you have projects like, um, some of the Google projects and, and, and I think some work that Microsoft is doing as well that are creating a situation where huge numbers of the world's literary works are finding their way onto the internet now. Um, whether they're all available at, at the moment. Easily and and in the public domain certainly is not the case, um, but I think that um, that's happening. And also, I think the other thing that's happening is synthetic speech is getting so much better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I can certainly see a time when when we'd be in that situation. But I'm I'm a big fan of scanning when. Um, when Bookshare started, um, I sent them something like 4,000 science fiction books that I'd scanned. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, that was one of my passions. As soon as scanning became good enough that you could get stuff that was accurate enough to read, um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was big on doing that. But, but why, don't, why don't you respond to Joe's question as well, Jeff? Because you probably know more than I do. Oh, no, I think you summed it up well. I I think that uh, the way that things are going, people are, are, whether you're blind or not, people are wanting books in audio format. Um, audio right now seems to be a giant boom right now, whether you're driving in your car or washing right. dishes in your sink, uh, you know, uh, or and you're blind or you're sighted, it doesn't matter. People are wanting this vehicle of being able to read that way because they can do other things at the same time that they're listening. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the future is bright in this space. I think there will always be uh, the need to scan, um, but I think the technology will help make that you know, simpler and simpler to be able to accomplish. And, and in terms of Braille displays, um, you know, virtually every book that, that, is appearing and many that have appeared are available in some kind of ebook format that that's very easily translated into braille virtually automatically. And so potentially in terms of braille stuff um, and in terms of large print stuff as well, because of the capability of technology, really the sky's the limit even now in terms of, in, in terms of what could be made available. Well, there's Kindle and Bookshare makes, uh, and well, some of Apple Books, but yeah, sure. Apple Books. things so much more available now. I, yep. yep, I'm amazed at what's out there. When I do. more more than any of us can ever use is the truth. Oh yeah, 
it's amazing how many things are out there. And then there's something, you know, there's like Ira or Be My Eyes for short things. I mean, you know, hey, can you read this? Can you tell me what this is? Or, you know, can you read, you know, a page of this for me or something? I mean, yeah, I can, can you go look at a manual so I can figure out how to make this device do what I want? People that used to get their Ira to read a whole book, I wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> though, though, Though I have done with with the Opticon. Yes, I remember that. And I, yeah, me too. Long time ago. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I had the Opticon. I wasn't very good at it. But uh, I don't think I was patient enough with it. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think when I, when I was really into it, I could do 30, 32 words a minute. Yeah. But yeah. no more than that. So it was never, it was, it was never going to allow me to go through college. <laughs> Um, but it was interesting. So, Jeff, this is a kind of a, a combination board and technology question. Um, we've just hired a, a, a communications person. Um, how, how, does, how is that person going to fit into what you guys are doing? Wow, that's a great question. I, I, I think that it's going to be significantly important that um, this person do um, lots of listening uh, and lots of learning about the organization, sort of maybe do like a, an affiliate tour um, and really embrace herself in who we are as an organization to determine the needs of the organization from a communications perspective. I think that is extremely important. Um, that's not to say that she can't do other things at the same time. I'm just saying that I think that that is, a that is something that's, that's extremely important, um, for her to do both with the board staff and, and more and most importantly, the members themselves. Um, because if she's going to represent us from a communications management perspective, then she needs to, to develop personal relationships. And I don't mean to say that they need to be you know, really, really strong, but she needs to make sure that she understands the full vision of the, of the organization and hear from people directly about that. So I'm hoping that there will be a series of either community events or, uh, something that she'll get pulled into to be able to accomplish that. I don't don't know exactly how that's going to, to happen, but I also think that the board should be doing these types of things too. I think the board should be having monthly listening sessions with membership, uh, you know, an hour or two where, where we invite members to come and ask questions of the board. Um, and that we're also allowed to ask questions of the membership because it's not just about yeah. hearing from them, but us communicating back. And, and I don't think it needs to be the whole board either. If, if no, if, it does not. If, no, you, you know, pick folks, two or three people. Exactly. Three people, you know, in the next month, two or three additional people. But I think every board member needs to do it. Oh, I think think, that's right. I think every board member has to represent at some time. Yes. And and, and I am hoping that Dan institutes something like that. I think that would go a long way to make sure that the membership feels like leadership actually cares and that we're not just sitting up in an Eiffel Tower. Well, you know, uh, I, I want ACB radio to be even more about ACB and yeah. what is happening in ACB. And yeah. so 
one of the things that I you and I've talked about that for years. Yes, I know. One of the things that I'm I'm planning on doing is having maybe a midweek something. There might be more than one of these, but like spotlight or on ACB or something, where we have. Um, different people come in and talk about different things and have it on ACB radio um, and then also have um, community call hosts and facilitators come in and talk about what those calls are and where to find them. And only certain ones be on ACB radio that are really about ACB or that have a producer that takes that that program from beginning to end and you know that it's really tight that's that's kind of some of what we're looking that's some of the five o'clock in the morning talk yeah i love it you know i don't i don't i don't know if 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 the board wants to do it but i mean i i would certainly be prepared certainly every two months to devote a tuesday topics to a board uh, to a board um discussion so i think we should take you can take that back to the board with you if you like, Jeff. I mean, I'm glad to I will do it take every it with couple me. of months. And assuming and I, I'm there next year, I'll, you know, next oh, year. Yeah. And, and I'd be glad to host it as, as well, which might be easier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, th- I think we as an organization overall need to do a lot more listening and determining what our membership wants. Um, I think that we have, an, I think we have ideas and, and um, we have some thinking around what we think we need. But I also think that we also need to make sure that we know what we need from our membership. And we we don't do enough of that, to be honest. Yeah. And and as a person who has worked with resolutions and a person who, um, who does Tuesday topics uh, among other things to try to encourage change. um, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, um, I think somehow we have to, awaken both uh, leaders and members um, to the fact that that communication really needs to happen more. Well, yes. And I think you're exactly right that it's, that it's both directions because I think that members are not speaking up enough either. Nope. And, um, and leaders are not speaking enough either. So I think we need to do both. And, um, and, you know, I think that would be great. I think it would be good to be, you know, communicating and discussing and, and learning about each other and, and learning what we can do better. That's never a bad thing. Now, we, we may be dotting I's or crossing T's here, but one of the things that you talked about with regard to the media segment is uh, a commitment to put uh, a pretty fair amount of video up there. Uh, yeah. That's something that ACB in the past has chosen not to do a lot of. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be are, driven by national, by the way, pretty yeah. much. Are we, are, are, are we right to be focusing more on video? Well, I, 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 whether we like it or not, we live in a visual world. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that, that it's important that if we want to reach out to other people outside of our sphere of influence, then it's important that we reach them where they are. We have a lot of people like this is a big issue for Rick. We have a lot of people with vision, with some right, exactly amount of vision in ACB who feel really left out when we and they want the video. And mm-hmm. if we, you know, we have professionals, we have families, we have friends, 
you know, uh, we want, I mean, I want them to feel included. Yeah. So, yeah. I will tell you though that I definitely have a, a a face for radio and not for video, so I'll just say yeah. that. Well, I I think I think that there are a lot of us, and, and and this is actually pretty serious. I think there are a lot of us who are blind who feel that way, and and who are really uncomfortable with video. Um, I I know that that I tried to do it last convention, and 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 essentially screwed it over. Um, and, and I'm sure it was my fault. I don't think it was anybody else's. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would say say that we feel like we are blind. I think it's it's more uncomfortable because we have no idea of the outcome. Well, that's correct. And, that, and I think that, I, that that's, a, that's a bigger issue, right? Like you have no control over your destiny right. because you can't verify your own destiny. And, and so, you know, yes, Kelly or, 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 or uh, you know, anybody at the national office could I, go, yeah, you look good now. But then, my God, you know, if something bumps a table or something and your camera slightly tilts, you don't even hear it tilt or whatever. Now you're looking at, you know, your cup of water, not you. you right. Know? So option for having a picture up there. But still, there are for where there can be video comfortably and where yeah, there it can. wants to be. I well, I, I think I think but I think that's another thing that we probably have to do. I I absolutely believe um, that we're right to be going in the direction of video. Um, I I think the only way we're going to convince folks with low vision that we're serious about including them is is by doing more with video. But but I but I think we're not doing as much on the other side. That is creating some relatively fail safe systems. Um, where folks who are blind um, can um, can comfortably know that their video is going to work, um, and and so uh, that's that's something that I would like. Perhaps the media people, perhaps the communications person who's just been hired, to think about um, if we're going to do video. The other thing that we don't want to do is to make video the province of partials. We want we want folks who are totally blind to to, to use it um, as easily and as effectively. To quote Jeff Bishop, as other people can. Yep, equally equally and equitably. Yep. yep. There's some challenges in that, but I think they can be overcome. I think uh, so too. Yeah, but I you know it just it just brings up some interesting challenges. That's all. Are we thinking of ACB TV? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it's interesting, but we 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 are not at the moment, um, Deb, doing any um, any ACB radio shows as videos, right? No, it's more like for conventions and auctions, you know, for our, our general sessions at conventions and, and for some, I think for some breakouts, I think some are working it out, uh, but auctions, people are wanting it for the items, you know, they want right. it if possible. So, you know, it's, and I know it, it's a, you know, it's a comfort level for or a discomfort level, even for some who saw and don't see as much now or as well, <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, trying hard to meet all of those yep. different realms of experience. It's interesting. I, I, I uh, 
my my wife died in 2005 and and i make that point uh because i i wrote an article a year or so ago i guess in which i talked about all the things that weren't available when she died and all the things that she would have absolutely adored that are available now and and so i i take seriously what jeff said earlier that that really even if we had a crystal ball, we'd have no idea where we're going to be 10, 12, 14 years from now. Yeah. I don't Um, even think the industry knows. mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I think it gives you meaning to that phrase. If walls could talk. Yeah. Oh, I think that's right. Yep. We do not have any more hands. But I do think, I do think it will be a more accessible place in 10 or 15 years. I, I think, I think so. Um, which, which which is a scary thing to say because I don't think there was ever any time before this that we could say that. Mm-hmm. You know, thirty years ago we certainly couldn't. No. You know, we 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 couldn't have predicted thirty years ago um, the amount of information that would be out there. But but I I don't think we could even have been positive because we were we were right at the cusp of of losing control. I mean, I was pretty competent as a computer user with DOS. Once Windows came along, my my competence shrunk and my incapacity grew. (laughs) Mr. Jeff, you have about two minutes. Are there final thoughts you'd like to leave with us? Well, I just want to encourage everyone to, um, you know, uh, register for the convention. It's coming up here just in a week or so. So get ready for that. And we'll be joining you on the new ACB media network at the convention. So um, get ready, everybody. It's going to be a blast and it's going to be a load of fun. We've got lots and lots of sessions, so you'll hear more and more about it as the weeks progress, but, uh, and we'll probably have some media, uh, our community events on the media network and all that. So, but no, thank you very, very much. This has been very, very enjoyable and hope to do it again. Thank you very much, Paul. Oh, you're more than welcome. Do you want to give folks an email address in case they want to send you a note? Sure. You can contact me on Twitter at Jeff Bishop, J-E-F-F-B-I-S-H-O-P, or you can email me at Jeff at JeffBishop.com. And happy to entertain any questions or things that uh, you want to talk about. Excellent. I thank you very much, sir. Thank you, everybody. So next week on uh, Tuesday Topics, we're going to have some fun. We have three guests coming, our president, Dan Spoon, our uh, director of fundraising. He doesn't call it that, I know, um, is uh, Tony Stevens will be with us and our treasurer, uh, David Trott, will be joining us. And we're going to do something interesting. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, We're going to explore... um, how the ACB budget happens, how much money ACB actually has, uh, whether we're operating on balanced budgets, how the budget gets worked out, and all of those exciting things. Now, it's not, you may think, oh, my goodness, this is a Tuesday topic I can miss. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't, uh, because I think you'll actually find it pretty interesting. The process is fun. Um, and the outcomes are interesting. And there are a whole bunch of questions that you or that we as members um, should be asking 
and we'll get a chance to ask next week. So it is my hope, ladies and gentlemen, that loads of you will join us for an in-depth look at how ACB decides what to spend money on. And in the meantime, thank you, Jeff Bishop. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome. Thank you. And good night. Good night.